0: You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short and formal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. We'll get into topics or pieces of scripture that we didn't have time to meditate on in Sunday's liturgy. And sometimes we'll just explore biblical ideas and concepts that relate to the series that we're in or to who we are as a church. This week, our lead pastor, Andy, and pastor of discipleship, Brett, discussed 1st Samuel 16, which is where we started our Life of David series on January 15th. If you haven't gotten the chance to catch that sermon yet, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen first so you can pick up with us where the sermon left off.
1: Okay, well this is Brett Wiley here with Pastor Andy Atkinson.
2: You almost almost said that correctly. (laughs)
1: Andy, we're starting a new podcast for Sea Life Church called the Chopping Block. We have a podcast where we put sermons up. Why are we starting a new podcast, and and why are we calling it the Chopping Block?
2: Yeah, so um, you know, really, very simply, the purpose of this podcast is just to supplement the message on Sunday morning. Um, every every time I preach or Brett, you preach one of the hardest things about preaching is editing you yeah. have to make decisions about what goes in the message and what gets left out yeah and sometimes there's some really good things that get left out sometimes there are some verses that you wish you could press into that you just can't for the sake of time and so the purpose of this podcast is to be able to speak to some of those things that get left on the chopping block and yeah. so uh, that's kind of the reason for the name of the podcast being called the chopping block is it's the things that get chopped off it's the things that get left on the on the floor um we get to explore a little bit of that and then just more generally there's a little bit of a double entendre here you know we're going to chop it up which is another way of saying we're going to have conversation so it's going to be super casual um very conversational but just being able to press into some things that we didn't get to touch in the sermon that's that's really the heart behind it
1: No, I think that's good. And, you know, if you're one of our two or three people that listen to this, (laughs) you know, as as we move forward, if there's a question that comes up in a sermon uh, that you want to send out to one of us uh, before we actually sit down that week, uh, we really do want to help people think through uh, the Bible and what it is and and some of the difficult texts that come up, or even just the, the theological questions that may come up as we're reading. So this week we kicked off Life of David looking at 1 Samuel 16, which was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, But one of the questions I thought came to mind is you really started your sermon with this kind of quick overview of, hey, how do we get here? Period of the judges into kind of we're starting the period of the United Kingdom. Uh, Saul's the first king of Israel, really impressive guy. And then we get to First Samuel 15, when he's rejected by God. But, you know, my heart even asked the question a little bit in, in uh, I think it's First Samuel 15, 24 and 25, you know, Saul says, I've sinned, I've transgressed the Lord's command in your words because I was afraid of them, because I was afraid of the people, I obeyed them. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. So there's some question of like, is this not Saul confessing and asking for forgiveness? So what do we do with that? Why is Saul still rejected? Why is, you know, maybe the question is God, did God not receive his confession here? So can you just help us think through that a little bit? Sure.
2: I, I, I think one of the challenging things when you come to, you know, the historical narrative, which is a large portion of the Old Testament is it doesn't give you every detail, right? Um, and so we don't want to enter into the realm of speculation, but we have to try to discern what the narrator is trying to communicate to us, what the Holy Spirit through the narrator is is saying to us. And so I want to be careful not to speculate, but I think I think there are a couple clues. I think in the text of what's going on. One, one thing I'll say, just as a as a caveat, is like, um, you know, God has prerogative here to do what he wants. right? Right, And so um, he doesn't owe Saul anything. Saul disobeyed and God can say, hey, listen, it's, it's my prerogative to take the kingdom from you. That's a hard truth, but I think it's a truth. But I think if you look a little more closely in the text, you go down a few verses in verse 30, it says, Saul said, I've sinned. Please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so I can bow and worship to the Lord your God. Yeah. Um there seems to be this really deep concern with Saul about his appearance before the people. Um and so again, I don't want to speculate, but I think if you begin to contrast that with what we'll see later in the series with King David when King David sins, there's like a a very public repentance with David where he's like writing Psalm 51 to be published and read by the people of God. Um, David's not concerned in that moment with image preservation or how he appears before the people. He's saying things like against you and you only have I sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Saul seems to be very concerned with image right here. Yeah, And so I, again, I don't want to speculate, but it seems like Saul's just not all the way there with yeah. his repentance that it's what do I have to do to make things right? How do I patch this up? How do I preserve my image and and look okay? Is yeah. there a way to turn the corner on this versus just really, really owning it um, and pressing in with the Lord? So that's kind of how I read that. That's helpful. <laughs> um, no, yeah,
1: that's helpful. And I think, you know, you made the comment uh, I might butcher it, but you essentially said, you know, we can be forgiven while still experiencing the consequences of our sin. Um, and, you know, this, this might get us into chapter 16 a little bit, but but there's some reality there for, for Saul, even the rest of his life, that, you know, you know, losing your qualification to be king doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be forgiven, right? And which I think is
2: uh, important to... Man, I think... I think we see this a lot right now in our current moment with uh pastors who have morally failed. Right. Where there seems to be this impulse, of, you know, among some to go, well God's forgiven him and so we have to forgive him too and so let's immediately restore him to a position of of leadership. Yeah. And we it seems like we have a really hard time distinguishing between hey God forgives there's no question about that. Like if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. Right. That doesn't mean that you're owed a platform or a position of leadership. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think what would be a lot healthier for a lot of these leaders who have who have failed morally would would be to humbly just step out of the way. Um, and and that's where I think Saul misses it. Is right. there's a real opportunity for him to go? Okay, the Lord has taken away my anointing. My calling is king. Let me humbly step aside. Mm-hmm. And and those could have been the healthiest days of Saul's life in terms of his relationship with the Lord. Um, but instead, he's doing everything he can to seize hold of of the throne and to hold on to that position of leadership. And so I think we would do well to be able to to parse between forgiveness of sin and consequences of sin. Yeah. Um, God forgives, but often we have to live in the consequences of our sin. And we need to know the difference, I think, between those two things. Yeah, that's really good. Well,
1: before I ask one more serious question, I think I just got a text from Cooper Hanning, and and he just wanted to say he was pretty upset with you mocking Justin Bieber when comparing uh, David's boyish looks in Chapter 16 to Bieber. And there's a lot of J.B. fans that just wanted to— Put that before you, Pastor Andy, if you consider that for
2: the next sermon. Hey, just so we're clear, I didn't mock the Biebs, okay? I just, you know, if you Google 15-year-old Justin Bieber. <laughs> Might have know, been what you, David looked to like. to imagine shepherd boy David yeah. looking pretty similar, yeah. you know? This is pre-tat Bieber, you know? it's <laughs> This is, you know, ludicrous baby, baby yeah. Bieber. So. Yeah.
1: No, I love it. Uh So there is one more maybe a startling thing that happens in chapter 16 you really focused on verses 1 through 13 and and it was really good uh, you know there's again this is the chopping block i feel like there's a lot we could talk about here that we don't need to talk about right like the the everyday faithfulness that you talked about and doing an unseen work for the lord i think it's so important for us right now but but maybe most maybe disturbing to some people if they were to read chapter 16 is this these events that happen after David's anointed in verse 13, right? Uh, right after that in verse 14, it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him. So Saul's servant said to him, You see that an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command your servants here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre, And whenever the evil spirit from God comes on you, that person can Play the liar and you'll feel better. Of course, we know that David's going to be that person. And there's all kinds of uh, interesting things here with him being a part of Saul's life before he ever ascends the throne. But this evil spirit sent from the Lord, what do we do with that? <laughs> uh, maybe I should just walk out of the room. <laughs> yeah. What do we do with that? How do we wrestle with that in terms of God's goodness and, you know, First John, in him
2: there's no darkness at
1: all. Right. So, yeah, could you speak to that some?
2: This is why this is why it's so fun to read the Bible, because, or the, to read the whole Bible, and especially there are these portions in the Old Testament where you get to them and you just kind of scratch your head, you know, man. I, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Um, so I think kind of where you landed is I think a helpful principle for us, which is like you know we we let really cre- clear scriptures kind of set the box for us and establish some parameters of of how do we put the pieces together when we come to you know verses like these um you know i uh, just a few thoughts one it's interesting to me that Saul's servants interpret the evil spirit as an evil spirit from god yeah So even they see this as from Yahweh's hand, Um, you know, and if we zoom way out, I think our theology um, would hold that God is ultimately sovereign over all things. Mm -hmm. Now we could get really technical into how the sovereignty of God functions, um, either directly or indirectly, that the Lord is presiding over all things. He's ruling over all things. That's true in our world today. And there's all kinds of evil happening in our world today. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a verse like this really forces us into, you know, the the thought project of how do we put the pieces together? Because we, we have to deal with that reality. Somehow, We have to have a way of trying to put the pieces together. If God is sovereign over all things, that would include the evil in the world. How does that work? Um, Here it's pretty explicit. The Lord sends the spirit and it's this, you know, my translation says evil spirit or this tormenting spirit. I think there are different views on, is that a, is that a demon or is that just some other type of spirit, um, some agent that the Lord is using when we zoom out, what we we see what's happening in the narrative, right? This is a way of getting David from the pasture to the palace. This is a way of moving David one step closer to his kingship. Um, and so it's adding drama to the narrative. Um, but we still have to wrestle with like, what's God doing in Saul's life? And how do we understand this since God is good and not evil? Um and, and is, we, we can't ever accuse God of doing anything right? evil. Um, you know, and I think there, there are different views we could take. One is that, you know, this tormenting spirit was meant to bring Saul to his knees in hopes that he would repent. Yeah. Um, that, that this was actually a provocative thing for God to do to try to wake Saul up. Um, we gotta be careful about reading into the text, things that aren't there. Um, you know, but certainly in our lives, there are things that, you know, come at us. And, and our response in all of those things should always be to look to the Lord
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and to turn to Him. And so um, it is interesting, though, that the theology here of Saul's servants is hey, man, this is from God. Yeah. Um. So I think we need a theology that has a big view of God that says, hey, God rules over it all. Mm hmm. Um, and, and, and so there are means and ends to how that works. Sometimes we can't directly make God the cause of evil. Um, and he's working all things together for good. Yeah. Um, we, we begin to put some of those pieces in place, but yeah, this is a, this is a challenging text Mm. that forces us to, to wrestle. Um, but we know that we, we know that God is good. Right. Um, And we know even that his intentions toward Saul are good. Right. Um, And so I think we have to hold on to those things when we come to a verse like this and go, what is he trying to do here? Mm -hmm. Both at the macro level with the kingdom and the kingship and at the micro level in Saul and David's life. Right. Um, No,
1: I think that's really helpful. I think when we first started talking about this text in our preaching meeting, I thought of Psalm 32, which is a psalm of confession, and, and the psalmist talks about when I was silent about my sin, your hand was heavy on me. My bro- my bones were brittle, right? Like it, there was this oppressive side of God's goodness in some ways, which sounds really interesting to say, and you know you, you just wonder we can't speculate. You just wonder if God is doing this so that one Saul might finally wake up and move himself out of the way, let God's anointed ascend the throne, but two. To really return to the Lord in a real way, to exchange fear of man for real fear of God, which is kind of the theme we saw, I think, in your sermon a lot. So, I think that's helpful. Anything else on your mind today, Pastor Andy?
2: No, it's just interesting. You know, he, when the Spirit comes, they even they interpret it from God, and. Um, and their solution, which isn't necessarily a bad solution, is a therapeutic solution, right? Like music uh-huh. is a therap- is a therapy for, for Saul when he's dealing with this spirit. So that had you know, know anybody that can uh play the the lyre, bring them and and that'll soothe Saul when he has these these moments, which that's not a bad thing at all. But but it's interesting if if the interpretation of the spirit was, hey man, this is from God. It's interesting that Saul doesn't turn to God in that moment. Right. Um, and I, I think it was Dale Ralph Davis, uh, his commentary that I was reading this week, um, and I can't remember the exact line, but it was so good. Um, um, he said Saul Saul had uh therapy, but he 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 lost the spirit, or he didn't have the spirit, or something mm. along those lines. It was he almost ran to this. kind of satiating therapy, but he didn't deal with the deeper issue going on. Right. And I think that's a word for us, not against therapy at all. Mm -hmm. Please don't hear me saying that. Um, But he was placating the fruit issue and not dealing with the root issue in his life. Right. That's good. Um, And I think we need to be careful. Uh, We can... We can run to all kinds of therapies Mm -hmm. to placate fruit issues in our lives and not deal with the root issue of our our heart. Um, I think we see that happening here in Saul's life.
0: So I think that's a word for us. Well, that's a good good place to end, I think. If you want to find out more about City Life Church, or if you have any questions about the kind of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card there. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch. This has been The Chopping Block.